welcome. Brothers, sisters, um, we're we welcome you if you're here first time. I see some new faces. I don't know if you're here first time, but if you are here first time, this is your first time. Um, welcome. We have something good for you today, so please pay attention. <laughs> um, it's good to be here. It's good to be here, you know, and um, God is so good. I wasn't, I was debating if I should be here today or not. I'm a little sick, and, uh, but I'm glad I'm here. I am glad I'm here, and I'm glad that I can worship God uh, together with you. We're going to be worshiping. We're going to be reading the Bible, uh, hearing the testimonies, hearing the Word of God. Um, but before we start, um, I'd like to ask, how many of you are in school and have finals coming up? Okay, I see several people. You are man and woman of faith because you <laughs> skipped the studying and came here to worship God. God bless you. God bless you. I know this is the time of the year when you say, Lord, oh, it's not about me. It's all about you. I haven't studied enough, but it's, it's all for your glory. <laughs> Make it happen. Amen. <laughs> and we need that grace. We need that daily grace that God gives us. He is good. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 4. Um, this is the situation or the time when Jesus was tempted. When the tempter came to him, and listen what he says. It's chapter 4, verse 4. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many of you think or know how long can a person live without water? They say it's close to three days, yes. After that, you're going to have real, probably, consequences. Um, what about without bread or, you know, food? 60 days? I heard testimonies of 75, 72, 75 days. Um, but it varies, I guess, for each person, right? Uh, but there, there is a limit. Let me ask you a question. How long can a man or a woman live without God's word? Anyone? Linda? We don't want to answer that because it's a good question. Just think about it. It's food for thought. How long can a man, can I live without God's word? Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Basically, there is no life without the words that God speaks. We don't want to find out how long we can last, right? Before we die without God's word. We don't want to find out because God's word is a living word and it gives us life. It gives, it feeds our spirit. It feeds us internally. How many of you here are here to be fed today? Spiritually, by God's word. I see some people. 
Amen. That's why we're here. Because not by bread alone we're going to live. Not by the things, the material things that the world offers. Not by the information that is on our iPhones. No. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the interesting thing that the word of God we have to be prepared. Our hearts have to be prepared. Because the word of God is not something that we like to hear, but it's something that we need to hear. Amen? Because God knows what we need. He knows exactly where I'm at on the map of life, what situations I'm going through, what struggles I'm going through, what temptations I'm going through. And he's there, ready to give his word that gives life and gives strength. We're going to be worshiping right now. Um, if uh, we can do that right now. The question is, am I ready to receive God's word? Are you ready to receive God's word? Is your heart open for God's word? Because we can be sitting here, we can be, you know, uh, critical and say, oh, I like this, but I don't like this. We can be doubtful. We don't have enough faith to believe. We can be in preoccupied with certain things and toxic thoughts that will limit our ability to receive God's word. So this time right now, when we stand here before God, when we're going to stand up and worship. This is the time when we prepare our heart. It's not, not only the time that we worship God, but this is the time when we humble ourselves before God and we say, God, you know my heart. You know that I think that I'm better than everyone in here. And I know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. Because that's not how you see me. Or maybe your prayer will be, God, you know that what thing, the things that I'm struggling with. You know that it's the things that I struggled with yesterday that no one else knows. Only you know. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. God, you know that I have this spirit of disobedience that I need help with. God, you know that I'm just uninterested in anything in my life and even in you. I need your help. Give me the desire to hear your word and to be changed by it. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let's close our eyes and bow before God and, and, and talk to him right now. Praise God, brothers and sisters. So, I believe last... Last Tuesday, we finished Galatians chapter 6 for our Bible reading, so I decided to go on to Colossians, and so we're going to be starting this new book of Colossians, so there's four chapters in Colossians, and I'll be reading the first one, and I need, I need about, um, I need three volunteers, one for the second, third, and fourth chapter, so if you guys want to come up and volunteer to read it, you guys can come up to me after service or to Dennis. I know there was this girl about two months ago, she came up to Bogdan, Zik, and she was just uh, 
like no one asked her, she's just like, can I do the reading? And that was pretty cool, so we need three, three volunteers for that. So I wanted to do a quick background of the book of Colossians. So Paul is writing this letter to the city of Colossae, and P Paul, when he writes the letter, he doesn't just sit down, he's like, like what, what am I going um, to write to this church? Uh, Paul, Paul kept in touch with this man called Epaphras, and Epaphras, he started the church in Colossae. Epaphras, was a, he was a disciple of Paul, and he kept in touch with him, and uh, it says even in the first chapter, in the seventh verse, it says that um, he, would, he was telling him, like, what was going on in the church, and that church, they had a couple issues. So, the, the issues that they had were with false teaching and with heresy. Um, and the heresy was called Gnosticism. The Gnosticism spelled with a G-N in the beginning. And it's basically, there, it's like this theology that Jesus, he isn't the son of God. He isn't God himself. And that um, Jesus is a creation of God through Mary. And they believe that... Um, like Adam and Eve, they believe that Adam and Eve are not actually a real story. They believe that Adam and Eve were just like an illustration of human nature. And it's basically like this group that thinks they, they know everything and everyone else is just dumb. They have, they're, they're really fixated on knowledge. And they believed that there's this like mysterious code to interpreting the Bible. And that kind of they're the only ones who know the truth. So, it's kind of hard for the believers in Colossae to, like, refute these people, or even Epaphras, when, because they didn't have the New Testament, they didn't, they was probably, how they learned about the gospel was probably word to mouth, and then they believed. So, Paul is writing this letter, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul is sitting in prison at this time, he was under house arrest in Rome for two years, so from prison, Paul is writing this letter, and he's telling them that, like, the whole theme is that Jesus Christ is in all of us, and Jesus Christ is all. Jesus is, is the, like, everything is in Jesus. And he also mentions about uh, knowledge. He, because this, this group was all focused on knowledge, let me find it. It's in Colossians chapter 2. It says that, he wanted them the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. So they were trying to find this mystery in like made up stuff, but Paul himself is saying that God's mystery is Christ, and he explains it. So can we all stand up to read Colossians chapter 1? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from, our, from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also 
it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant in Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you to ask if you may to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. In his image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both, the, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have the first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yes, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in faith firmly, established and steadfast, and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which, have, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up, that, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations but now has been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make what is what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory. We proclaimed him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with, 
with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Amen. Thank you. Is uh, Christina Angini here? Christina may come up. <clears throat> uh, you know, there are some people that don't go on a stage as often as others. And we only notice them, um, for example, when we get coffee. <laughs> and Christina is one of those people. And um, we're so thankful for people that are doing work behind the scenes. You know, some brothers came in today and they uh, set up the chairs for us so we could just come and find a spot and, and be comfortable and so on. Um, you know, somebody came here and cleaned and so on and so forth. Somebody printed the bulletins, designed the bulletins, wrote the little paragraph and so on and so forth. Those are all the people that are doing a lot of work in the background. And I'm probably not going to name all of them or don't have time for that, but we're thankful for what you do. God bless you. And if you are not in the ministry yet, please get involved. Christina, I want to ask you a couple of questions, if that's okay. So why are you in the coffee shop? Do they pay good? What's the main reason you're there? Um, it's, on, it's the people. It's the people that you meet constantly. It's the people that you interact with. Um, it's not about the money at all whatsoever. Um, I've been doing coffee for almost, like three years, and so I personally just love it and making people happy. One more question. Who is the biggest coffee drinker in this audience so we would know? You don't have to answer that. That's fine. Uh, Christina, we're thankful for what you're doing. God bless you. You always inspire us with your smile. Thank you. Okay, now I'm going to smile because you just said that. Thank you, Dennis, so much. Um, just a little backstory of um, before I share what I'm going to share. Um, usually when people ask you to say something or share something or do something in church or any ministry, they... they give you the room to do um, whatever God puts in your heart or say whatever God puts in your heart. And I love how Dennis, he actually didn't do that. He said, Christina, would you like to share something? Um, would you like to share how um, you're victorious? Like you live victoriously day by day. And I was like, wow, that's pretty specific. It's in order to speak about something like that, you actually have to live it out. You can't just speak it. And um, turns out that whole week was actually one of the toughest weeks. Well, yeah, just one of the toughest weeks. And it didn't feel like I was living it out victoriously. <laughs> it was, kind of felt the opposite. Um, but as I was like, I was sharing that, um, just actually, as I was like thinking about that, uh, God reminded me about a passage in Titus. And I want to read it before I just share my testimony what God's done. It says in chapter uh, Titus chapter 3 verse 4 it says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. 
He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through, the, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is great. These, these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And um, as I was reading just the whole book of Titus, um, uh, Apostle Paul, he speaks to the church um, of believers. And in this church, it was, they started a new church. So he, Paul was speaking to the new believers. And two things came to my head when it comes to living victoriously day by day. Um, just for God is, one, our belief in God, our belief in who God is, and a belief of who God says we are. And the reason why I bring that up is because if, see, in this one, in, in, chap, in Titus chapter 1, it says God doesn't lie. But if we, we think God is a liar, we're going to live as his word's not true, and we're not going to be set free like his word calls us to be. We're going to be still doing the same things that we're, we're, we're constantly struggling, struggling with, and we're going to let our scenarios dictate the way that we live because we don't know the truth and what God has done or we don't believe it. Um, just an example from my life, uh, my dad was a truck driver, hey, to all the truck driver dads out there, um, it's awesome, he always provided the family, but one thing that I noticed kind of affected me, um, growing up and my walk with God is because my dad wasn't there, um, I looked at, I looked to God differently, I thought that I had to earn God's approval or God's love, because um, every time my dad would come home, I would try to impress him with something that I, that I did. I'm like, oh, dad, I picked up the guitar, or I did this, or I did this. Like, are you proud? Are you happy? And um, he'd smile, and, but then he'd be gone again. And then when he'd come back, it'd be the same thing. I'd try to find something else that he maybe would be proud of. Um, and so every time I'd with God, I'd always, like, do things and do things and do things. And it'd, it'd feel like, like, I don't even know God. It'd it feel like I'm just serving... Like, it felt like I was serving an idol. I didn't really have a relationship with God. I was just doing things because I had to do it the right way. And, um, and because I didn't know God, I grew up with a lot of insecurity, and I grew up doubting God and what he did in my life, and not just in my life, but his existence nonetheless. And a lot of people, and to admit something like that, um, in front of a church or in front of youth or being a leader, um, it's kind of an eye-opening because you're like, oh, that person's struggling, like, how can that person struggle if they're a leader? But struggles leader, struggle, leaders struggle a lot, honestly. Um, the closer you get to God, the more hardships come your way. And so, um, and another thing is, another just like aspect how to like live victoriously with God is knowing who you are. Like I call God my dad. And a lot of times those who know me, every time like they're with me, they, they hear dad. They, they hear that all the time. And a lot of times it can be controversial, um, but that's just who he is to me. That's just what he has been in my life. And because I look to him, him as a father, as a dad, like I, I know that I can boldly come into his throne room and be forgiven and already not be judged because he already took the judgment away from me. Um, and just having that in mind and knowing that it wasn't anything I'd done, that anything that I've done in my life that... I could earn the salvation or I could earn his goodness 
where I can earn his love, like him being pleased with me, it's nothing I've ever done. And it's just his goodness that allows me to, to get up in the morning and try again. And the Bible says the righteous fall seven times. The righteous, those people that you see, they're like, the people that you're like, oh, dang, like, I want to be like them, or even like Daniel Kalinda, Reinhard Bonnke, or whatever, like, people like that, they don't just stand, they don't sit down when they fall, or when they do something, but they get back up, because they know who they are, they know who their father is, so they get back up and go boldly into the throne room of God, into his grace, and receive his grace and mercy, and so then the next day, the next second, they can be like, God, thank you for what you have done. I'm going to continue to follow you and do what you called me to do. Um, I hope, does, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but those are just the two, the two things that allow me to, to get up in the morning and not to be weighed down by just this life and what it has to offer and not be just swayed is to know God personally, to know God as a father, not just as a judge. And in the Russian culture, it's, it's really easy to look, God, look to God as just a judge um, and that he has to repay evil for evil or things like that. But he's seriously a loving father that loves each and every single one of us individually. And the fact that we are his princess, his princesses, and just the, the name and title, a son and a daughter, that is just so intimate. Um, and that's exactly who God sees us, that nothing we've ever do or have done um, will ever separate us from the love of God. Um, amen. All right. It's good to be here. Thank you all, everybody, for being here. I haven't been in youth probably... Uh, for the whole service, well, I guess I came late today too, but I came late all the time, so, uh, so, but this is like the first time I've been in youth for probably maybe like two, three years, so, um, thanks for having me, thanks for inviting me, it's good to be here. Um, one thing about youth, uh, is that when I came to know the Lord, like on an intimate level, uh, one thing that really helped me out was, uh, youth. And I came to youth, I guess I was, uh, when I first came to youth, I was, I didn't really have anybody that are really, really new. Uh, when I accepted, you know, when I really said, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, when I gave my life to God, I really, all my friends, nobody went to youth. And so when I first started going to youth, I mean, I had some like acquaintances, some people that I knew, some people that I was related to, but no like friends that I could go like hang out after youth or hang out, you know, during the weekend or anything like that. Uh, but once I started coming, you know, if you're here for the first time and you're kind of in my shoes, if you're like, ah, this is the first time I'm really here, maybe you came before, but you came with a different group of people, but now you came and you're like, hey, I really want to be a part of youth. I really want to receive something from youth and you're here and maybe nobody's going to come up to you today and say, hey, what's up? You know, what's your name? Uh, but keep coming, keep coming. You know, I talked to so many people uh, that accepted Jesus Christ and took the water baptism because uh, I spent some time with them, and I see them like a year later, and I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, how are you doing? What's going on? And, you know, they start opening up to me, and we start talking, and it seems like they're pretty much at the exact same place, you know? No ministry. They barely come to church, maybe on Sundays, 
You know, they're still kind of hanging out with that crew that they left before they were taking baptism. And then I'm like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And he, they're like, oh, I just, you know, I just can't find anybody to be friends with that are good people. And I can't, you know, find a place to, you know, serve inside the church. And I'm like, okay, how often do you come to church? And they're like, well, I'm there every Sunday. And I'm like, and you're just there every Sunday? And he's like, yeah, yeah, every Sunday morning. And I'm like, well, Sunday morning service is like, you know, the big services. It's hard to make friends there. You make friends at youth, and you have to come here for about a month, and then somebody might say hello to you, okay? And I, and I challenge them to do that, to do that, because I know I went through that. It's very tough. It's a very lonely place to be. But keep coming, all right? Um, is, is there anybody here for the first time just out of curiosity? Right there. So we know who to say hello to. What's your name? Stephen, hello. I said hello to you now. <laughs> we could be friends. Um, if you can, let's open up to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 9. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, and faith, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Hallelujah. That's an amazing God. What I, want, what I want us to underline here is the middle statement, He is the faithful God. That means that no matter what, God is 100% faithful. He's 100% reliable, 100% true, 100% loving, 100% of the time. That's pretty amazing because nothing else in the world is 100%. Nothing in the world is as true, is as sure, is as reliable as God. And it's written, He's always faithful to those who love Him and keep His commandments. So this evening, I want to ask all of you, and I'm asking this question to myself and I've been asking this question since I knew that I've been coming, since I knew that I would be coming here. In my relationship with God, right? In a God that is 100% faithful to me and to you, are we those, as the Bible says, people that love Him and keep His commandments? And you might be saying, well, Stan, this is the Old Testament. You know, they had commandments there. I don't know about any commandments in the New Testament. So open up our Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, 15. And it's written, if you love me, this is Jesus Christ saying, if you love me, you will keep or you will obey my commands. See, it says God is faithful to those that love him and keep his commands to those that obey his commands. So do I obey? Ask, do I obey? Whatever your name is, Stan, do I obey? I know today, obey or obedience is a pretty, you know, it's a pretty offensive, uh, it's a pretty offensive word, you know. Today, you know, social media, the world teaches us to be who we are. You know, don't listen to nobody. Do what you want. Be who you want to be. Don't obey nobody. Just do whatever and be whoever you want to be. But God says, obey. So ask yourself, am I 100% obedient to God? 
Am I obedient to his word? Am I obedient to his will? Am I obedient to his kingdom? You know, the reason I got this uh, sermon topic is Father's Day is coming up this Sunday. So those of you that didn't know that there's a holiday for fathers, there is one, and it's this Sunday. So make something special for your father. I think it's this Sunday. I think it is. Um, but, uh, and so I have two children already. I have two boys. One is Abel. One is Levi. Abel's older. Levi's younger. Levi's birthday is actually today. So happy birthday to him. I barely saw him, but uh, it's right. That's how sometimes fathers could be. They're kind of busy. But I was thinking... You know, everybody wants love, right? Everybody wants love. And fathers, we want our children to love us. But, you know, you could say I love you and you could say, oh, dad, I love you. I say that to my parents all the time. But one thing that I want, I guess in addition to that, or a way that they could show me love, and they're very young still, is man, I really want them to be obedient to me. And let me tell you something, they're not obedient. They're like obedient 50% of the time. But me as a father, I so want them to be obedient. And when they do listen, man, it's so much more easier to love them. Let me tell you that. It's so much easier to love them. Jesus, our Heavenly Father God, He's also a father. And He wants us to be obedient to Him. I know your parents probably ask you that all the time, you know, to please listen. Something like that. They, oh, they want us to be obedient. See, our disobedience, it brings pain to God. Our disobedience, it could even bring pain to ourselves. Being disobedient not only to the Heavenly Father, but being disobedient to our parents sometimes brings pain to ourselves. And if you know what I mean, it's kind of like the back, the lower back between the feet and the back, that pain. You feel it there quite a bit. It also brings disobedience uh, what disobedience does, it also, it also could potentially ruin our relationship with God or ruin our relationship with our parents, right, with, or, or with those people that are in authority and we're supposed to be obedient to them. And the Bible warns us in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So, because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. See, God desires 100% complete, complete obedience to Him. Not bouncing back and forth from hot to cold. Not being obedient at one thing and being disobedient in another thing. So often, we Christians, that's how we like to live, though. We love to be obedient to the things that work for us, but those things that don't, we don't like to be obedient. See, and depending on what situation we're often in or where we're at in our life, we often do disobedient acts towards God. See, the Israelites, they were, uh, they were led out of Egypt, right? They were in captivity. They were led out of Egypt to freedom. And God performed some of the most amazing supernatural miracles in front of the Israelites. And they all saw this. He led them through the desert out of slavery, and literally he was leading them to the land of dreams, right, to the land of milk and honey. But the Israelites had their own understanding and their own expectations on how things need to be when God leads them out of Egypt. 
And when they saw that the things weren't happening how they wanted them to happen, they began to be disobedient to him. And I don't know exactly what they thought when they came out of Egypt, but they probably thought that they're going to come and there's going to be, you know, it's going to be easy. It's going to be so much prosperity. But God, he had a different plan, right? And his plan, let me tell you, it's always greater. God's plan is always better. It's always greater. It's always the better path to choose. But because they did not receive what they thought they would receive, this discouraged the Israelites and they began to be disobedient to him. Today, often we're similar, right? And we think that God owes us something. We think that we deserve something, right? We think that we deserve something from even our parents, that our parents owe us something, right? They owe us that car. Or they owe us to get a loan on that car, and we're people going to pay it off, right? Or they owe us the best and the newest phone, or they owe us a TV in our room. They owe us something, right? But sometimes they don't give us those things, right? And we think that, okay, whatever, it should be like this, but they're not offering me, so I'm not going to listen to them. I'm going to go do this myself, or I'm going to go do this, what they told me not to do. But God wants us to be obedient. See, when we do those things, we bring pain to ourselves. We bring pain to, our, to, to the relationship with God. We bring pain to God. You know, we have reasons like, hey, I was praying for a job, but I never received one. I was given my tithe to God, but my bank account is still empty. See, I dropped all my bad friends, and now I'm lonely. I got no friends. I pay people righteously, or I work righteously. I work my full wages, but I don't get paid my full wages. Or I love my neighbor so much, I respect them, but they hate and despise me. And we see all this and we say, okay, God, I'm going to stop paying my tithe. I'm going to stop working my wage. I'm going to start lying on my wages. I'm going to stop respecting and loving my neighbor. Why? We begin to be disobedient to the Word of God because we don't see the results that we think that we should see. See, the things are that when our disobedience, it could start out with small little things. But it could then grow to something bigger. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in the very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is righteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If you think that your disobedient is something small and makes it okay, you think that your disobedience, that the sin that you might commit, that the habits that you might have, that they're small, that they're not going to hurt nobody. They're not going to hurt God. They're not going to hurt nobody around you. You are dead wrong. See, those small things, they matter so much to God because those small things, they hurt God, and God knows that those small things could grow into something big, and it could hurt you and your relationships. We're thinking God doesn't care, but He does. See, that's the one depth, that's the depth of this verse. When you're unfaithful in the very small, 
When you're disobedient in the very small, you could also be disobedient in the very big things. If you can, let's open up to Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. This story I really like in the Bible. And someone came to him, this is to Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said, this is that someone. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall not love your neighbor. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the, young, and the young man said to him, now we know this is a young man. Who's a young man in here? I see a lot of young men. And the young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Let's stop here for a second. So look at this guy. I mean, this guy's a pretty good guy. I mean, he's doing a lot of the good things. You know, he's not killing anybody. That's good, right? Uh, he's not committing adultery. That means no pornography as well, right? That's really good. Uh, he says... And he says that he doesn't steal. That's really good, right? He says that he doesn't lie. That's good. He honors his father and his mother, and he loves his neighbor as himself. Man, this is a really good guy, right? This is, sounds like a Christian guy, a guy that's going to go to heaven. But then Jesus says, if you wish to be complete, God desires completeness from us. Go and sell your possession and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me but when the young man heard this statement he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property this young rich man as the bible portrays him right he was a good guy this is like married this is like husband material girls it sounded like it huh and he was rich too man that's like a big plus right there uh, and you see that he was living what you could say a Christian life. And we're so much, not only the guys, but even the girls, we're so much like this, right? We like to sing songs. We like to pray, Jesus, take me, lead me, form me. And he says, okay, okay. So Dennis, come here. So this is how it would be. So he's like, okay, let's go, you know. All right, this, this is great, right? This is great. But what it's like is not to lead me, Dennis. Right? And we're like, no, 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 I don't want to go there. No, 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 no. No, no, let's stay here. But you said lead me. You said take me. You said form me. Okay, okay, okay. So I, I don't have a chisel. But he goes, okay, well, let me form you then, right? So he starts banging on us. Oh, no, God, that hurts. I want to keep my friends. No, 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 no. I want to keep my popularity. No, 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 God. I want to keep all those other things that I have. Oh, no, God. I want to keep my phone. I want to keep social media. I want to keep looking at porn, God. I want to keep all these bad things. It makes me feel good, God. No, no, don't knock that off. Knock this off. Yeah, yeah, God. Knock this off. That doesn't matter. You can sit down, Dennis. Thank you. God wants us to be obedient 
No matter how uncomfortable or how painful it is to obey God, we need to obey God. Because let me tell you, I'm just going to say this straight up. I mean, this is, this is how the Bible says it. If you're not obedient 100%, then you don't have this treasure in heaven. You don't have a place in heaven. You're going to be like this young man just living with that things that you love that give you some temporary pleasure, and you're going to walk away from God. You're going to move away from God. Today, God is saying, take that thing, right? I know that you guys are good. I know you guys haven't killed nobody. I know you guys don't say much lies, but cut away the white lies. God's saying, I know that you work hard, but be faithful in your wages. Be faithful in the hours that you say that you work. You know, God today, He doesn't come out with a hammer and a chisel and start chiseling away at you to form you, to make you obedient. He uses your parents. He uses the pastors. He uses the ministers. And things that they do, they sometimes don't even make sense. I was talking to a brother today, and he was so upset. He was so upset that his parents took the TV out of his room. But hey, God wants you to do something better. Maybe that TV was somehow causing your relationship with God to get ruined. Maybe you were playing something wrong on that TV. Maybe you were watching something wrong on that TV. See, those small things that happen in our lives that we sometimes say, oh, I hate that my parents did that. Oh, I hate that this person is making me do this. Oh, I hate. But God is forming you. God is knocking away that, those things that make you disobedient to him. So that you could then turn and follow him and not be like this young, rich man. Let me tell you something. If that young, rich man, if he gave away his riches, if he said, God, I will be obedient to you even in this that I, that, 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 that I hold so tight, that brings me so much pleasure because I know that you're going to give me more. Because I know that even on this earth, if it's going to be tough, if it's going to be hurtful, if I will never see a dollar again, I know that I'm going to see you and your treasure, your great treasure in heaven for eternity, not just for 30, not just for 50, not just for 60 or 100 years, but for eternity. I'm not going to be looking at the devil. I'm not going to be looking at the fire. I'm not going to be burning alive. I will be with you in paradise. Hallelujah. Be obedient. It's Father's Day on Sunday, right? Let's give a gift of obedience to our Heavenly Father. Let's say, God, okay, chisel that away. Okay, take that away. The riches, whatever it is, take that away. I want to be obedient to you. Hallelujah. Let's go on our knees and let us pray. Amen.